Hey, I gotta tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock. And it's not just any lock, it's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Coming up on today's show, I'll get you set for the weekend's two big events in combat sports. But before that... I want to begin with some exciting news from the week that was. So Glover Teixeira, I mean, guys, is this the feel-good story? Honest to goodness, is this the feel-good story of MMA? Because it's for sure the feel-good story of 2021. Like, there's really no way around it because Glover is now doing and aspiring us to what we would like to do and what we aspire to do. And whether you guys have hit 40 yet or not, you still understand the point of growing up in a world where we're told that the world belongs to 18 to 25 year olds. And if you've already lived through that and any party goes, well, shoot, I guess my time's done because you believed that. Or if you are approaching 40 and thinking, well, I guess my clock's ticking and my best days are behind me. You have somebody like Glover. And of course we'd have to compare him to who? Tom Brady. We'd have to compare him to who? Dara Torres. We'd have to compare him to who? I mean, right, you go down the... There's not a whole lot of people like that, but it sure is inspired. Oh, and by the way, Glover is one punch, one good night from being the champion. Let's say he never gets it. He is the rightful number one contender. And the reason I bring this up and the point I'm, I'm attempting to make, if you were to do this in football or basketball or baseball, of which I think, for, aside from Tom Brady, I don't believe it's done, at least right now, but let's say you did. That would be a tremendous feat that you could feel wonderful about brag about, do interviews about, for sure, but that is very different in getting a GM or somebody to sign your name onto a piece of paper. Glover has earned this. He is the true number one contender. There's not another 205-pounder who disagrees with that. And it's very, very rare when you get to that spot. We only have one other guy in the whole sport like that, and that's Dustin Poirier. At 155 pounds, all of the 55-pounders stand back and admit that he is the number one contender. I only bring that to you because we've got a fight going on right now. Pick a division. Throw a division at me. Heavyweight. Okay. 
Derek Lewis looks like he's getting the next shot. John Jones is always a good choice considering he's never lost, whether he's done it or not. Never lost. And why are we forgetting Stipe, right? But you see where there's a debate. 170 pounds. Is it the BMF? Is it Colby? How good's Chemayev? Right? I mean, you see where this goes on? So the compliment that Glover is getting is a compliment that Glover earned, that he fought for. You got to really understand this, and I think that you do. I, I think that I'm stating the obvious, but I want to state it anyway so that it's on the record. As you get older, a fighter will get old. You'll hear that term. And you'll even hear a term, a fighter will get old overnight. Guys, it's true. It's very true. And the last person to know is the fighter. We all see it as the audience. And what do we see? We see a guy that slowed down. His feet aren't moving the same. His reactions just aren't the same. And one of the first ways that you can see that somebody is getting old is they get tired faster. It's a conditioning issue. Now, that's not because the lung capacity, it's not because the physiology changes as you get older as much as you just can't train as hard. The reason that checking an athlete's level of conditioning is very effective to know where he's at, if he's gone over the hump, see on the cutting edge or the bleeding edge, the reason he can't do it in the practice room. And I'm telling you this from experience, guys. I remember I never argued with Clayton Hires in my life. I wouldn't do it. I don't know what would happen to me if I did. It would not have been pleasant, but it was also a respect thing. I never questioned that man. But there was a day when I said, Coach, I'm having a hard time with all these. We'd jump rope. And we do it at the end of practice. A lot of people jump at the beginning for uh, to warm up. With Clayton, it's part of the training. You don't, you don't get to just jump the rope in the corner and get a little sweat going on. You are going. You are going fast. And we would do three and four and five rounds after a day of training. I did it every single day. I hated it. I never liked the rope. And I don't mind jumping rope. I think I will add this in case, in case Coach Clayton sees this, but you MMA guys can probably relate with me. I don't mind jumping rope. It's a great exercise. I used to do it in wrestling. I do it in strength and conditioning. You want to know the difference? I had shoes on. So if you're an MMA guy and you're jumping rope, but you mess up, meaning the rope hits your toe, oh my goodness, it will, it will bring you to your knees. It will bring the toughest man to his knees. Then Clayton would bring the rope I had to jump with. I brought my own rope every day. He'd take my rope and hand me his rope. Every day I tried to get away with this. Oh, no, I got one, coach. Every day, same conversation. Take my rope, give me his rope. His rope weighed two pounds. And it was a thick leather piece. I could have hooked Coach Clayton's jump rope to the bumper of my car and drug another car. I bring that to you because if you screw up, I mean, this thing would bring me to my knees. I'd spar four and five guys and be fine. Leaving one piece, good, hard, durable, good trade. I would jump rope if I screwed up, I would be, oh my gosh, it hurt so bad. I got a little off my point. My point was, I said to him, finally, I finally admitted and I said the words to him, I'm having a hard time getting all these rounds in. First one's no problem. I expect to do it. Second one's a pretty good push. But when we start to get to three and four and you know, 25 minutes in to the jump rope after practice, but it was a sign. It wasn't that I was breaking down mentally. I think that's what Clayton thought. Jail's not being tough enough right now, physically. It was a physical thing. So when you can't jump rope the same, you can't get the same miles in. You can't get on the bike and push. You can't do some of these things for your cardio in the gym. What happens? Well, you're not in as good a shape. So it's just something that we can identify, but it's something that I bring to you because it's one of Glover's greatest weapons is his pace. One of Glover Teixeira's single greatest threats that he will use to intimidate the person across from him is how hard he can go. That's not new. That's been the stress, been the 101 on Glover forever. From the first time I saw him to the first time I trained with him till now. In front of his punches and kicks, he's a very strong guy too, but even in front of that, it's his ability to come at you. And I bring that to you because when you are talking about somebody that is a feel-good story because he did have a dream and he is driving and he's not listening to everybody and he's not taking no for an answer and he's not asking for any favors. I mean, he did everything right and over 40 and the true number one contender. And I bring that to you because Blahovich is favored to beat him. If these guys are fighting tonight, I'm going to pick Blahovich to beat him. 
He has something to be very proud of because he earned this. And if I'm wrong, he becomes the world champion. If I'm right, he's recognized at this point in his life for the second time in his life, being the second best fighter in the world. Is that an insult? I mean, did any part of that sound like an insult? Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you one more story as I get off Glover here. I insulted Kamara Usman by saying that about him. Called me on it. Kamara Usman fought Tyron Woodley. T-Mobile Arena wins in an upset. Two, two or a two and a half one underdog. Wins all five rounds. Comes up onto the set of ESPN. Looks great. You know, few people can wear a suit and look as cool as Kamara. I said, congratulations. And he said, I heard what you've been saying all week. And I said, well, I didn't say anything bad. And he said, it had a little sauce on it. <laughs> and I didn't know that term before. It had a little sauce on it. But this is what he says to me. It had a little sauce on it. And I said, Kamara, because we had done predictions on ESPN. We'd done them the night before. I remembered what I said. It was only a day ago, which was Tyron Woodley. As good as Usman is, Tyron is better everywhere. He's a better wrestler, better striker, more experience. Kamara Usman is the second best guy in the world, and Tyron Woodley will win. Well, the chill curse was real. I screwed T-Wood. But my point being this, that I had to share with Kamara. Kamara, I now, I now know you're the best fighter in the world. But I woke up today thinking you were the second best, which I said publicly. And he thought about it for a second. And he said, yeah, man, I guess you're right. <laughs> he said, I guess you're right. That's not a big insult. So guys, let's see where this goes. It's a feel-good story. I couldn't be happier that it's happening. And the other side of it is Blahovich. Blahovich does deserve a level of credit. One thing that Blahovich said, and he said, I'll fight Glover, I'll fight anybody, but I'm taking six months off. Never a great idea to take breaks. Whoever got to him and said, don't do that, did him a favor. But all the same, he still had to change his mind. He still wanted to go in one direction, which sounds like sitting on a beach with a pina colada for a few days, and instead went back into a dirty, filthy gym to get punched in the head, face, neck, and chest. So I only share that with you because Blahovich also, right, this dream doesn't happen for Glover without his partner. Glover, congratulations. Blahovich, cool move. Well, since we're talking about the old guys, let's move to a guy in the news who's even older than Glover Teixeira, Oscar De La Hoya. I'm a little bit lost here. And by the way, I'm willing to come on the ride with the Golden Boy. I am willing to come on the ride just because of what he did in 1992 for the country. Went over to Barcelona, won the Olympic gold medal. I was in the seventh grade, and it was great. It's a great moment. I remember him. I'll stick with him, but... He initially came out at a press conference. It was a drop the mic moment. He walks into a press conference, says, I'm coming back. First fight's May 3rd, drops the mic, walks off. Literally. Which, by the way, somebody should teach him a drop the mic moment. You don't actually drop the mic. It's a moment. Those mics cost money. You could break them. You don't actually drop the mic, Oscar. But at any rate, he's now saying he's going to fight sooner rather than later. And I got to tell you guys, if, if you're 50 years old, all of your fights need to be sooner rather than later. But just save that thought because we're now being told that Eddie Alvarez is in very serious talks to fight Oscar. And I believe that. I believe that because Eddie said it. And Eddie has never swerved us once. Eddie has never looked for a headline, even when he had arenas to sell out, such as Madison Square Garden. Eddie just doesn't do that. The weights match up. Oscar said he wanted to fight a name MMA fighter. Like, I just believe it. So, kind of thinking, how'd you get to Eddie Alvarez? Like, how did we get to this point? I figured Oscar, and I got to show full respect to Oscar if this is true. Because if I was to guess how he was going to play this, he would have grabbed an MMA guy that either had retired, okay? He's going to call Chael up, or uh, and a like, or... He's going to grab an MMA guy that isn't red hot. I mean, Eddie Alvarez, regardless of the disqualification, just smoked an opponent a week ago in the first round, <laughs> right? You see what I'm saying? Like, Eddie's not the guy you go play with. So if that is really what Oscar's going to do, man, he's got full respect for me. But you start to look at and wonder how we got here. And I will tell you how we got here. We got here by Oscar not respecting his community, and believing that he can make a poster saying De La Hoya versus Alvarez, create confusion amongst the audience, making them think it's Canelo Alvarez 
and go buy the pay-per-view. I got no problem with it. I'm just sharing you with you what the play is. Now let's just take a look at the fight. I'm not sure that you understand how good Eddie's hands are. Eddie has done so much work on the ground. He uses those hands on the ground that I think a lot of people are forgetting how Eddie gets his opponents down. He doesn't go out there and inside trip him. He doesn't go out there and body lock to a knee block. He knocks you down. Eddie's got hands. I used to travel the road with Eddie. We had a crew. Back in the Bodog day, we had a crew, man. Eddie, I'll throw myself in there. Cain Velasquez. We had a, a, a crew that was going around and trying to get their due and get their opportunity. George Masvidal. Eddie was the face of Bodog. And Bodog was being ran by a man named Calvin Air, who was a billionaire. And he was, he was pretty frugal with his money. I mean, he wasn't one of these MMA guys like Brewster's Millions, let's just see how fast we could go through it, except on one exception, which is who's going to fight Eddie. And that was just a case of they needed name guys, they wanted UFC veterans. There was a time on the regional scene, it still exists, but it, but it exponentially higher, where if you were a UFC veteran, you were a main event and you could get a lot of money on the regional scene. I will compare it to today's professional wrestling. Guys are leaving the WWE to go do the indie circuit, but they're making more money on the indie circuit. It's just a very big deal. If you were seen on Monday nights on Raw and you pop into a house show somewhere, that whole community will come out and watch. These guys are just very valuable. UFC veteran, which is still a thing, used to be a bigger thing back then. So to fight Eddie Alvarez, first off, that's a hard fight. Second, you got to be a UFC veteran, which means third, you got to pay them. They're going to get paid. Particularly the smart guys that understand they're getting brought in to do the J-O-B against a young guy who people haven't heard of. Job Squad's got one rule. Pin me, pay me. So they, they'd have to bring in some money. And there was even a play made on Eddie for Matt Hughes. And they offered Matt Hughes a half a million dollars. Half a million dollars come in one night and fight Eddie Alvarez. Now, Matt Hughes was red hot back then. Red hot. Eddie Alvarez was fighting at 155. It was a big... I remember when Bodog was doing it. I remember thinking, man, Eddie's awfully good, but Matt Hughes was absolutely in his prime and a weight class bigger. We'll never know. This story doesn't go anywhere but there. But I do remember hearing that and thinking, it's a lot of money to pay for a guy on a one-off. Because what happens if Matt comes over and beats him, but you don't have him under contract? It's a lot of money to pay for a guy on a one-off. But they were so sure that Eddie would knock him out, they were willing to write the check. I'm just sharing with you how good Eddie was. But when Eddie was in this run with Bodog, it was uh, it was all first-round knockouts. All knockouts. The hands matter. Just to bring in a name MMA guy and stick him in a boxing room, it's not the same thing. There's a number of factors that made McGregor Mayweather work. None as large, no, no pieces of the pie were as large as the press tour. Connor did his part, Floyd did his part. But there was things that did make you believe this is worth seeing. This isn't a foregone conclusion. And I bring that to you because if, in fact, De La Hoya is picking Eddie Alvarez, I truly will respect that. I truly do believe that's a very bad pick. And when you look at how Eddie wins, he's winning with those hands and he's lightning fast. One thing that we must assume with Oscar is that he's not as fast as he used to be. We must also assume with Oscar, his conditioning is not going to be where it used to be. That's just logic. And you're bringing a guy in Eddie Alvarez that does not come out and feel you out with jabs, which is what Oscar's used to doing. Eddie is trained to fake a jet and step in with a knockout power instantly. It's, just, it's a very different thing. I realize the MMA guy is switching to boxing, but you start putting 48 years old on there. I don't care how many world titles and Olympic gold medals you had. I watched Eddie Alvarez starch a guy one week ago. A young stud, not for nothing, could not go 60 seconds with Eddie Alvarez. So a lot of us in the MMA community think this is silly. The boxing and the MMA guys, it's a little bit silly. Oh, okay, I, I hear you on that. But we've got a former Olympic wrestler who's about to take on a YouTube guy. And they're going to do really well. I mean, the state of boxing is in a really weird place. And if Oscar De La Hoya comes out by choice and calls out Eddie Alvarez, I'm going to respect it for one. I'm not going to dismiss Oscar's chances. This, this still is Oscar's world. But I am sharing for you 
Eddie Alvarez can punch hard and he doesn't come feel you out. That's a major difference in boxing and MMA. Because of the gloves and because of the limited rules in boxing, a jab is far more prevalent. You will see guys control fights with jabs. Every boxing trainer who ever comes into MMA on the first day will watch practice and go, my God, you guys don't know what you're doing. You don't throw enough jabs. Two months later, the boxing coach will understand why we don't do jabs in MMA. There is no controlling a fight. There is no keeping a guy at the end of your punches. There is no, if you get in tight, the referee steps in and separates you. The gloves are so small, which are also used for defense, right? You bring your hand up in boxing, you got a great big pillow. As a matter of fact, you got two of them to protect yourself. In MMA, you do everything the same. You don't have anything to protect you. Point being, you just can't come out with the nice stuff. Boom, you got to come out looking to do damage. Because if it gets through, it's going to do just that. I only bring this to you because... Oscar's asking for a lot here. I mean, he's biting off a lot here. And if he does it, I think that he should get credit. And I say that to you because it makes me wonder who is going to leave with the shine. If Eddie goes out and beats Oscar, Oscar was like a six-time champion, definitely an Olympic gold medal, so I watched him do that. Eddie's never done the sport before, steps in, beats Oscar. Eddie deserves to be propped up on the shoulders and, and bounced around the audience like it's a mosh pit. But I think the same thing goes for De La Hoya, man. If he truly is asking for this fight, Eddie Alvarez isn't cheap. He's going to come up with the money to get Eddie, who just starts the guy in less than a minute one week ago. I mean, come on. you got to give De La Hoya a little bit of credit here. In a moment, I'm going to stay in the boxing world and talk one final time about Ben Askren and Jake Paul. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. I want to talk to you about something that I believe most of my listeners can relate to. It's something that most men don't want to talk about or even admit is happening. Hair loss. Yup, that's right. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. It's unfortunate, but it's true. This can affect self-esteem. It can cause a level of shame. But Uncle Chael is here to share a clinically proven treatment that may help you. Keeps came up with a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair and possibly grow some back. There are two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss, and Keeps offers both of them. They have a virtual doctor for a consultation, and medications delivered straight to your door to keep the process private so you don't have to leave your home and endure the dreaded process of an in-person visit. Treatments start at just 10 bucks per month and it arrives in a discreet packaging. If you are skeptical and this sounds too good to be true, go check out real before and after photos for yourself on their site. They are shocking and exciting. Prevention is key, so be proactive and get on it. Treatments can take about four to six months to see results. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash chael to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash chael to get your first month for free. Keeps.com slash chael. I thought we were all done. I thought we were done talking about these guys. What would I possibly have left to talk about? The fight's going to happen. We'll recap it. It's kind of the way that that goes. Well, no, because they had an open workout. Now, the open workout was a bit of a treat for me because I didn't know what was going to happen. It was two hours long. Everybody on the card came out and did an open workout. I'm a Frank Mir fan. I got to see Frank Mir training just by example. So it was one of these things, but Askren looked very good in the open workout. And he looked so good that people have been messaging me, both, both my personal friends with text message, but also on social media. Big Twitter guy. If you guys ever need to get a hold of me, come to Twitter. But I share with you this, they've all switched their bet. They've all, Chael, you, you're crazy. Oh my goodness, Chael, I see it your way. Ben is going to absolutely demolish this guy. Now, as much as they are right... As much as Ben is going to go in and win this match. It is perplexing to me how you can gain that by watching a guy hit mitts in a lobby of a hotel for 15 to 20 minutes, three days before a competition. I mean, I can't get over that. I can't get over that we're trying to bring karate into the sport. 
And I say karate because you can get a belt advancement and you do get a belt advancement in karate for something known as kata. Kata is shadow boxing. It's great for judging form. It's great for understanding movements and techniques and if they're done effectively. But when Ben is hitting mitts, it's no more than kata. And I only bring that to you because all the people that picked against Ben in the first place picked against it because they saw Paul in a practice room on a heavy bag and Ben in a practice room also doing something that wasn't the sport of boxing. So I've, I've always been confused how we're going to assess that and break it down. Look, I didn't love what I saw from Ben. All these people that have switched their bets and love Ben today, I still love Ben because I don't think Ben's coming to box. I think he's come to compete. There's a meaningful difference and he's a real athlete. That's... That's my sense. That's my X's and O's to you. No part of this is Ben can slip outside and let the left hand go, and he's great at bringing the, the hook back as Paul stands there with his hand dropped. Like none, I can't give you an X's and O's. There's, we just don't know how, how much data on either guy. I do have a lifetime, Ben's lifetime, of data to tell you that Ben knows how to walk out in front of people when the cameras are on and get his hand raised against his opposition, and that is what I am hedging against. But it is amazing to me how many people think that this is about form. I don't really know where to go with it. Because as much as I'm picking Askren, not only am I picking Askren, Askren's going to win every single round except possibly the first. And why do I give my horse that I'm betting on the first round off? Well, because he said it. I talked to him about the fight and he said, ah, chill, I might, I might feel him out a little bit in the first. Let this young kid burn out some energy. Uh, okay, I mean, I got to take him at his word. He can't tell me that he might give away the first and I come and assure you guys that he's going to win. I got to take him at his word. But this is a major fight that's going to be hindsight, right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick my finger in the, in the world's chest and it's going to be a major I told you so or I'm going to have it done to me. I'm going to have to take it. I'm going to have to take it like a sportsman. Because I am seeing and I am interpreting something that is drastically different here. And at no point has this event ever been about who can do form best. But it's very important that we recognize the phenomenon that is that very judgment. Because we have lists that we discuss. We have lists like the pound for pound. Or the greatest of all time. Or the top 10 within each division. And you wonder why a guy who is just a rugged guy, a Khabib. Khabib would be a great example of somebody who was not dynamic, who was not flashy, who did not look for the oohs and the ahs of the crowd, but instead used the basics and went out and took care of business. It would be a great example. And you guys will remember how Khabib's career ended. It ended with him on a microphone asking if for one week only he could please be ranked number one in the world because he is. But the reason Khabib had to ask for it is because he wasn't it. And the reason Khabib wasn't it is because he wasn't flashy and dynamic. But I submit for you, you don't need to be. I submit for you what you believe is seeing these beautiful techniques, which most people are believing they're not seeing from Ben Askren when he hits, mix, or does a boxing workout. What I'm submitting for you is that is secondary. That is fun to watch. That is a thing of beauty when you get a Mayweather or a Sugar Ray Leonard. It is a dance with their partner known as their coach. It's a thing of beauty. I agree. But to act as though understanding those movements and those techniques better than your opponent, you've left out all the intangibles. Well, who's faster? Guys, I can give you perfect technique right now. Do you see how I slipped? Is any of you think this is going to work? Okay, no, you don't. You think it needs to look more like this, but I've just proven my point. I've proven my point that speed matters, right? Okay, what about distance? Would any of you be scared if old Chael threw a kick at you in the face right now? Or are any of you going to go, well, Chael fought for five world championships, and I've never done it at all. I don't want him to kick me. But would you be scared right now? No, why? Well, now I've established, as silly as that may be, that distance matters. And then what about power? What if you get into a dust-up and, and you get hit three times, you hit the guy three times like this and he hits you one time like, I mean, you see the difference? So now that we've established that intangibles that are more difficult to see and have nothing to do with, uh, with form or kata or shadow boxing, when we start to understand how obvious it is that those variables matter, then we start to come back to the old Team Quest philosophy. One of the world's great gyms who never gave out a belt. Not a white belt, a purple belt, a blue belt, brown belt, black belt, green belt, yellow belt. I don't know what color belts come in. They didn't give a goddamn one of them out, but we had three big, fat, gold ones. 
that were ours. Evan Tanner had a championship. Dan Henderson had two pride championships. Randy Couture had a championship. This is off the top of my head. We didn't have any other belts in the gym because we didn't believe that the technique mattered. We didn't believe the understanding mattered. We didn't believe who was better according to the media mattered. We wanted to know who could beat who. The only thing that mattered was the performance. And I bring that to you because there is nothing favoring Ben Askren here. Nothing. He does not have the form of Paul. I don't think he has the speed of Paul. I don't think he has the power of Paul. And I just told you guys those are important things. He most certainly doesn't have the youth. He wouldn't have the motivation. I mean, Ben hasn't ran all over the world making a fool of himself. He doesn't have that same motivation. This isn't a I must win. This is a big paycheck and it's going to change the lives of the Askren family. It's a good thing. Get in there and get out as quick as you can. It's not as though he plans to come out and do a whole bunch of these things. It's pin me, pay me. How do I pick Ben? I mean, everything I just said is true. How do I pick Ben? Because this is about competing. It's about competing every single time. Let me give you guys one more Team Quest story. Since we're on the topic of Team Quest and competing, let me just give you a story. When Team Quest, you guys will like this if you stayed with me, but when Team Quest opened up, it was in a strip mall, big strip mall. We had restaurants, we had hair salons, we had a hardware store. We're all sorts of businesses, and we sat in a little corner place here. Apparently, and I say apparently because we didn't know this, after we open, somebody walks in with a flyer and informs us that each year, the local businesses get together, they build a car, somebody sits in and drives the car, and three other members of the business push the car, and it's a race. That they shut down the whole streets outside, they're going to shut down 3rd Street in Gresham, and these businesses are going to enter their car. And it's a big deal. It's a parade. People come out. People leave work early. We're going, what? Okay. Okay. We'll enter. Then we get to find out that one of those little strip malls, one of those little hole-in-the-wall places, was an aeronomics company owned by Boeing. And that they had never lost. 13 years, 13 championships to Boeing because they knew what materials to use and they knew how to make it aerodynamic and nobody could keep up with their car. We already said we'd enter. We're coming. We don't know how to build a car. We don't know where to get the materials and we don't know how to do the weight and we don't know who to decide the driver and the pushers are. We don't know, but we said that we're coming and we're coming to win. I've never had a dream in my life to have a faster homemade car that I was going to have to push than the guy next to me. But if I say I'm gonna show up, I'm coming to win. And Boeing bought their $38,000 aeronomic vehicle. And Boeing suffered their first defeat to four gangsters in wrestling singlets looking a fool trying to bring attention to their business. Because Boeing overthought it. But they never thought about they're taking on competitors. Freddie Roach weighed in on Askren versus Paul. And this was pretty hot take for me because Freddie Roach said, I refer to Jake Paul as the YouTube boob. And after Ben Askren knocks him out, he'll get a whole lot of views for that clip on YouTube. Now, I got to tell you, in the world of disdain, too strong a language, maybe. In the world of bothered by, I don't know if I've ever seen Freddie Roach like this. Even with those two lines I just told you, I don't know if I've ever seen Freddie Roach speak about an opponent of one of his athletes like that. And before you go, well, Chael, that wasn't all that strong a language. I, I get it. I, I agreed that it wasn't. I'm just saying I've never seen Freddie ever speak of somebody like that call him a boob. Oh, Freddie went further. He said, uh, I've tried to watch this guy's fights. He's so bad. I can't watch for very long. And then he talked about Askren and Askren did a week out there. Now he might've done two. He might've done three, but I know he did a week out there. I know he did this because I was going to go in and film him at the wild cards. What I'm talking about. And Freddie Roach said when Askren showed up, he showed up in shape. He worked hard the whole time. We did a full workout and sparring on the very first day. 
I would love to have seen that. I would love to know who he was sparring with only because no slouch would even walk through the door of the wild card. You just wouldn't do it. You'd be too intimidated. Great fighters are too intimidated to walk through the door. They just work too hard in there. They're known for how hard they work. Oh, and by the way, if you're going to spar, you're going to spar with some studs. And the mere fact that Freddie Roach watched Askren do that, I don't know who Askren went with, but I don't need to know. If they're in the wild card gym and Freddie allows them to suit up and get in the ring, they're good. They're, period. Period. That's a blanket statement by me. 100% true statement, though, also. I think that tells us a lot about Ben Askren. And I think that tells us a lot more about Ben Askren than we knew. One of my concerns with Ben, in all fairness, I've never voiced this, but in all fairness, was I knew he was coming off a hip replacement. I knew that he's running a wrestling academy, but it shut down because of the pandemic. I don't know how good a shape he was going to be in. He was going to start training for this 12 weeks before the fight, but he was going to spend the first two weeks just getting into shape. He had to train just so he could train. He had to work out so that he could train. I'll tell you one word that gets misused in this sport is train. Training, just so you understand, is when you eat, sleep, and breathe in an event. I hear the MMA community call train. They'll call practice training. It's not the same thing. A workout is not training. A lift and a jog is not training. I mean, I could go through the list. Don't tell me you're training because you showed up to a matted room and broke a sweat one day. That's called practice. And before practice, it's called working out. You got to work out to be ready for practice. You got to practice to be ready to train. I only bring that to you because Ben thought it would take about two weeks to get back in. I remember when Ben told me this. Oh yeah, yeah, Ben, yeah, right. I remember thinking, Ben, not at your age. The rules, the rules are different for you. It would have taken you two weeks back when you were a college athlete. You'd have done two a days in college, just by example. You come off of summer break. You're gonna meet in the morning. You're gonna do a run. Nice long run one day a week. You're going to do some stadiums. You're going to do some sprints. You're going to do a different run every single day. Then you go in in the afternoon and you're going to wrestle on the mat. That's what you'll do and you'll spend two weeks doing it. That's how you get in shape. Every college in the country is the same. Then after that, it's full bore and the coach is going to run practices. But I only share that with you because, yes, the two-week gimmick Ben could have done 20 years ago. So I know when Ben went to wildcard. It was only four weeks into this preparation process. So for Freddie Roach to say Ben showed up in shape on day one, for a guy like me that's betting the house, I'm not only betting the house, guys, I'm betting reputation. I do this for a living. I never needed to say that. I never needed to say I, I, I will put my reputation on the line. I didn't have to say anything. All I got to say is I'm picking Ben Askren. I get him wrong all the time, right? I mean, it's just a pick. It's just a guess. Who do you think is going to win? Well, let me give you my guess. My guess is pretty good because I can base it on history because I follow and study and understand the sport and I happen to remember these things. However, I've chosen on my own accord to go further. I have chosen to publicly come out and tell you guys that, yes, this one will be reputation-based. I will not come to you as the smartest guy in the room if I get this one wrong. There is no reason for me to say that, but I want to say it. I want to go all in. I am in on this journey. I don't care what you did in a practice room or what you did with, with other YouTube stars. This is a Hodge Trophy winner from the sport of wrestling of which I have devoted my life. I will be devastated if I get this one wrong, but I will also be stunned. Stunned. Because I don't think these boys are going to box. I think they're going to compete. And I've really only got one complaint on Ben Askren, by the way. Watching him do his open workout video on Wednesday lot faster than I remember Ben Askren. Conditioning was always there. I mean, right, he was always there. He was on the mitts. I don't love his head movement. If I had any complaint on Ben Askren, I don't love his head movement, and I also don't like that he keeps his hands down low. It's as though he just can't. You'll meet guys like this. They just can't put their hands up. You'll yell to them in practice, put your hands up, they'll put them up. Put your hands up, and they'll put them up. Put your hands up, and they'll put them up. Hands up so you guys understand is not the Mike Tyson where they sit right below your chin and you let the glove do the rest of the work. Hands up means if you were to bring them straight in, they touch your eyebrows. Just so you guys understand, if anybody ever yells hands up, this is hands up. Now your hands could be out, but if you were to bring them back, they touch your eyebrows. If they touch anywhere else, your hands are down and bends are way down here. It's my only complaints. I'd like to see more head movement. We're not going to get that, right? I mean, the fight, we're hours away. We're not going to get head movement. But the hands up is something we can change on the spot.
The hands up is something we can change. And even in MMA, Ben's hands were down. Now, the boxing glove is going to help him out about two and a half inches. So if he could just listen to old Chael, lift him another two inches on his own. I only need two inches, Ben. I'm only asking you for two inches. The gloves will do the other three. Bob's your uncle. Off we go. Australian saying. Stole that from the Parson family. But I got to tell you, I don't have any other reservations. I'm with Freddie Roach on this one. And the fact that Freddie is telling us that he can hardly even stand to watch Paul because he didn't consider it boxing, and he's telling us that Ben showed up in shape, did a full workout, and sparred on the first day? Yeah, I went pretty deep on this one. I got a whole day to take it back. Say the deal's off. Saw something I didn't know about. Reputation's no longer on the line. It's the final video I'm going to bring to you prior to this contest, and that I'm going to call this contest live, right here on YouTube. I stand by my statement. Ben Askren and Jake Paul isn't the only main event on Saturday. We've also got a big match in the UFC's middleweight division. But before I head out for the weekend, let me give you my official prediction for Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gatslam. Kelvin Gatslam, and I will tell you why. Kelvin Gatslam's got as good a hands as anybody. Now, I would not try to make believe for you guys that Kelvin is as good of a pure kickboxer as Robert Whitaker. I wouldn't try to do that. I would hope that you wouldn't try to come back at me and say that Kelvin is not as effective of a striker as Robert Whitaker, because that'd be real simple numbers, and we'll pull up both of their records and look how many knockouts they both have. Look how many TKOs that they both had from a sequence that started on the feet. Kelvin has ever been as effective. Why? Because he's got the power. Now, when Kelvin does his finest work, and you have to hear me out on this, when Kelvin does his finest work, it is when he is wrestling heavy. Kelvin's hands work the best when he's heavy in the wrestling department because of the threat. And I don't subscribe to the idea that Kelvin's got to take Whitaker down. And it's a very good thing that I don't. I'm team Kelvin, and I must tell you, that wouldn't be great. I don't I don't know that Kelvin can just take Robert there and keep him there. Oh, and by the way, do that for at least three of the five rounds to grab this thing. I don't think it's that kind of a situation. After what I saw Whitaker do defensively over the course of 10 rounds with Yoel Romero, I fully respect Whitaker's ability to stay on his feet. Now, I would offer you this, though. When Kelvin is making the threat of the takedown, and he did this with Heinisch, Okay, if you go and watch that fight with Heinish, and I realize that Kelvin finished most of those takedowns. I, real, I realize that. But it was because of the threat. It wasn't because of the takedown. It was because of the threat of the takedown that Kelvin also got those big shots in and also stopped Heinish from getting as many of his big shots in. Because now Heinish, Heinish but okay, Whitaker's going to be in the same spot. Heinish is now thinking about defending takedowns, which is what makes the punches open up, but it's also what stopped Heinish from having the same output as perhaps he would have and he didn't have to worry about the wrestling. And you guys will remember the announcers that night, right? You remember the, uh, Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier sitting there watching, man, he's back. John Anik saying he's back. And they were saying he's back because they were so impressed with the takedowns. And it was a good and gritty and hard-fought win. Needed win by Kelvin. I just saw something different. I did not see that Kelvin is back because he's finishing takedowns. I saw that Kelvin was back because he was threatening the takedowns. And the story of Kelvin's fight with Heinish, I believe, has been mistold. That it was about ground and pound. It was about control. It was about top position by Kelvin. When Kelvin remembers who he is, which is a very good wrestler, that's when his hands open up. Go ask Heinish about it. Ask Heinish if he got that black eye and that swollen nose from a takedown. Kelvin did. He got it from the shots landed because Kelvin got the respect of Heinish and made him believe for 15 straight minutes. I can and will attempt to take you down. And I can't make enough of that word, attempt, threat of the takedown. There is nothing worse in life than speculation. You want to really hurt somebody's feelings? You want to get a nasty rumor started about somebody? Don't say anything at all. Just give enough details and make the audience speculate. 
It's damning. I offer that example to you, okay, of, of gossip and trying to hurt somebody's feelings because it's a psychological effect. It's the same effect in MMA. This is a major game of make the guy think you're going this way when you're going this way. Make him think a kick's coming so that the punch lands. It's a major game of guess, and your opponent is a detective at all times. He is trying to read you. He's trying to study you. He's trying to do his little police work to know what's coming next. So your opponent, while thinking he's going to be a step ahead of you, is actually your accomplice. He's going to help you fool himself because he's looking for these clues. He's looking for the clues so he can respond. Ah, bop, right? It's, it's just one of these things. And I bring that to you because I have seen some fights where Kelvin has come out and tried to look like Mr. Cool. He had a new jab at one point. He had a jab at one point where he was doing the Tommy Hearns. He was dropping his lead hand in front of him. It was one of these things, and he ate a whole bunch of shots because of it. What Kelvin did against Heinish, the announcer said, Joe Rogan says, he's back. But what Kelvin was doing is what Kelvin does, which is remembering he's in an MMA fight. He's a complete mixed martial artist. Kelvin Gaslam is well-rounded as they come. He truly is. You're not going to submit the guy. Just take that off the board. In a realistic, take that off the board. Very hard to hurt on his feet. Very easy for him to hurt you. Very hard to take down. Very good at taking people down. Oh, and then forget, forget the grit. Doesn't matter how tired he is. He, he's never going to stop. He's one of those guys. He is dog tough. I'm not telling you he's not going to be tired three and four and eight minutes in like everybody else. I'm telling you it's, he's not going to change. He's coming after you. He is a gamer. And this is a big statement I'm saying. I don't know if I've ever told you anybody could beat Robert Whitaker. When Whitaker fought Adesanya, I was picking Whitaker. I mean, just to put in perspective for you, I have the utmost respect. And I don't see any holes in Whitaker's game. That's not what this is about. But I was Kelvin's coach for a period of time. And I remember telling him in front of the group, I said, Kelvin, I don't know what you're good at. Meaning that you're a jiu-jitsu master, that you're a wrestling master, that you're a kickboxing master. I don't know what you're good at. But if I was to coach against you, I don't know what your weaknesses are either. I just don't know where Kelvin's weaknesses are. So as good as Whitaker is, as fast as Whitaker is, decorated as Whitaker is, and, and as much as Whitaker has proven he's made for championship rounds, and Whitaker has proven that. Whitaker is not only a former world champion. Whitaker is a future Hall of Famer, mark my words. I don't know where Whitaker is going to score his points, though. He's not going to take Kelvin down. He's not going to submit Kelvin. And I think you guys would agree with me on that. So now he's got one way to win, which is to punch and kick Kelvin more times than Kelvin punches and kicks him. Ask Adesanya how easy that was to do with KG. It's, all, I mean, it's very difficult. Uriah Hall will tell you. Uriah Hall's lightning fast. He'll tell me that guy's just hard to hit. And by the way, Kelvin's not all that fast. But he's really hard to hit. Kelvin's also got a body. I must bring for you, a lot of the greats had something different about him. It could be John Jones with the reach advantage, or it could be Mike Tyson, where he's a little bit more compact and short to the ground. You could even carry this over to guys like Willie Mays and Babe Ruth. But of all of the sports, all the greats have something that was a little bit different about him. And the thing with Kelvin, his body naturally is made for striking defense. When Kelvin puts his hands up and his chin down, the way his shoulders are built, okay, they cover his whole damn face. When Kelvin puts his hands up, it looks like anybody else doing this. His shoulders just tight as there's nothing to hit. Also, because he's a little bit shorter for that division, it's very hard to get under. And I realize that that would surprise us all if Whitaker attempted to take Kelvin down. That's just not really, that's not what he does. All the same, you got to take it off the board. If you're thinking real realistically, and you're picking Whitaker, and I know a lot of you are. Those boys are going to figure it out on Saturday, but we're going to argue about it right now, right? I mean, that's what we do. That's how we have fun. I say who I think is going to win, or you say who you think is going to win. I say why, and you say why. We go back and forth, but I only share with you. You're going to be painted into a corner. You're going to have to say that you believe, based on history, that you believe Whitaker wins this on his feet by outstriking Kelvin. That's not the world's worst bet, by the way. I mean, if you want to bet that, I, I wouldn't tease you for that. I'm just saying you really are locked down. If I was to say that Kelvin was going to win, I could name any of the ways. I could say he could take him down and pound it out. I could say Kelvin could catch him in a submission, particularly a guillotine choke. 
I can say that Kelvin could knock him out. I mean, Kelvin does a little bit of everything. It's one of these things. It's one of these things where we've been taught over time, or at least told over time, that the more well-rounded you are, the better you are. But I, I believe that I've got you to agree with me that Kelvin is the more rounded of the two. I don't know that I've got you to agree with me that Kelvin's going to beat Whitaker. I think a lot of you still think Whitaker. There's a reason he's the favorite. But these are my reasons why thinking there's going to be an upset. I've laid them out for you. I'll be reading the comments. I want to know what you think. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Please join me Saturday night because I will be live on my YouTube channel breaking down Paul versus Askren as the fight goes on. So I will see you then. And then I'm going to see you back next Wednesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.